So we're, we're studying through the, the book of Philippians, and this morning we're going to do chapter 3. I want to do this a little bit different than, uh, than I've ever done before. I've never done what I'm about to do. I've not done before. So um, uh, uh, pray with me, pray for me, and I pray this works. But here's the thing. Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, listen, he says, dedicate yourself to the public reading of Scripture. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to read the text, but I'm going to read it, not just read the text, I'm going to read it as though it was a letter Paul wrote to us. Because how many know this is a letter from the Holy Spirit to us? I'm going to read it as a letter that Paul wrote to us, and I'm going to fill in uh, kind of some commentary and lines. I'm going to kind of expand the letter, if you will, as we go through it. But I'm going to be reading it as though, it is, as though it's the Apostle Paul who's speaking to us here at Calvary. So um, as we go through it and see what lessons we can uh, uh, take. What I would exhort you is this. What I'm about to do this morning, I would exhort you to read the scriptures this way all the time. When you open up the Bible, instead of just reading what it says, read as though you are personally the one being addressed as we go through this. And that's how we're going to do this this morning and see what the Lord opens up to us. And I'm going to, I'm going to give a, a theme to chapter 3 here. Here's the theme to chapter 3. Uh, this is a quote from a famous cricketer who became a missionary. His name was C.T. Studd. He said this, Only one life will soon be passed. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that's kind of the theme. And as we're, as, we're, as we're looking at the book of Philippians, what's going on? Paul's in prison, and it's serious. Paul doesn't know whether or not he's going to lose his life as being part of, part of being in prison. We, we covered that when we looked at that in earlier verses. And, and, but how does he deal with this? This letter is literally a window into the heart and soul of Paul. He, we're seeing him bear his heart to the Philippians, his love, his care for them. And, and what does he see? He sees his life is a reenactment of Jesus. That's what he sees his life. And, and he says what? He says he's so aware of Jesus' love and Jesus' presence that that's what gives him hope. That's what gives him humility. That's what gets him through what he's going through. And he's saying, listen, there is nothing, nothing more important than knowing Jesus and allowing him to transform you. Nothing. And so that's kind of the intro to, to go, getting into the chapter here. We're going to start right off in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. So, can we do this this morning? Amen? All right. So, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. So let me read this to us. Finally, Calvary. Rejoice in the Lord. To write these same things to you is no trouble for me, and it's safe for you. I know, Calvary, that you might think this is a weird thing that I say rejoice in the Lord because I'm in prison and you're being persecuted. But I'm telling you, rejoice in him. And how do you do that? Well, let's talk about it. Let's figure out how do we rejoice in him in the middle of circumstances that, that don't look, that are hard and difficult. He says, first, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. There are those right now, Calvary, who, who, who try to tell you you need something other or more than Jesus. There are those who would try to tell you that the Gentiles are the dogs. Well, I tell you that they're the dogs. 
There are those that would tell you that to overcome evil, you have to do certain things and be certain things other than Jesus. Well, I tell you, that's evil. There are those who would, who would tell you you need to, 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 um, to do certain things in the flesh, to have certain marks on you. And I would tell you that that's just like pagan gods who mutilate, who mutilate the flesh. He says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. We, Calvary, have circumcised hearts. That's what it's about. And, we, and that circumcised heart means what? It means the Holy Spirit has come and live and dwell in you. And the Father wants those who will worship him in spirit and truth. We worship by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he glorifies Jesus. So if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we will be glorifying Jesus. And we will put no confidence in the flesh. Calvary, you know that that God gave Israel several outward signs that demonstrated that we as Israel are his elect, his chosen, his set-apart nation. But those signs never saved a single person. It's always been about a circumcised heart. Always been. He said, look, if anybody has reason to to, to put confidence in the flesh, if anybody has reason to to, to say that that outward signs are good enough, that's me. That's me. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I wasn't a Gentile who came in later. I was born into this. I I was one of the people of Israel. I was a tribe of Benjamin. You know who Benjamin is? Jerusalem is in the center of Benjamin. That's how important Benjamin is. The first king comes from Benjamin. In fact, I'm named after him. So the people of Israel, I'm a, I'm a member of the people of Israel. I'm, I, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Now, not only was I born into all this, not only do I have this by the flesh, I also uh, am a Pharisee, scrupulous in keeping the law. Zeal, I persecuted the church. As to righteousness under the law, I'm blameless. I, 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 I have kept Sabbath. I have been circumcised. I keep kosher. I keep all the feasts. And none of that saves me. Let no one tell you that's salvific. It doesn't save you. Whatever gain I had, I counted lost for the sake of Christ. Let me, put it, let me put it to you in this way. Let me make it a financial transaction for you. Because all of us like, you know, all of us pay attention as soon as it becomes money. We're going to talk about gain and loss. Okay, whatever I had gained, whatever I considered on my balance sheet as an asset that came to my profit, I now look at that as nothing. It means nothing to me. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Listen, let me... me, When I look at the balance sheet, there's literally nothing on my balance sheet. Nothing I could gain in this world that compares to knowing Jesus. What's valuable to you, Calvary? What is it that puts, that that you say, this is the thing in life that I'm attaining for? This is what I'm shooting for. This is what, where, where I'm going. Is it a bank account? Is it a position? Is it being known in every household? Is it how many friends you have on Facebook? Is it how many followers you have on Twitter or Instagram? Is it how many views you have on TikTok? What is it? Is it getting a Pulitzer Prize? Is it being a Nobel, Peace, uh, a Nobel Prize winner? 
What is it that you think is of infinite value? Let me ask you something. What value is it to you if you literally gain the whole world and you lose your soul? There's something about knowing Jesus. I know Jesus so intimately that not only is he my intimate friend, he's also my Lord, my Savior. There's nothing of greater value than that. Nothing, nothing of greater value than that. Everything else that I looked at that would have been on the, on the balance sheet of life that say, now I've arrived, you know what that actually compares to Jesus? It compares to rubbish. When I say rubbish, I mean dung. I mean food for dogs, scraps in the street. Look, I'm not, I'm not trying to be offensive with the language. What I'm trying to say is that's how much value is in knowing Jesus. Do you know that Jesus? Do you know that Jesus? Is he that valuable to you? Look, I told you to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord in the middle of all these sufferings. How do you do that? You know that Jesus. When you know that Jesus, everything else is counted as loss. I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Listen, Calvary, it's always been about faith. Always been about faith. It's never been about anything other than faith. Remember Abel? Abel, his sacrifice was greater. Why? By faith. You remember Enoch? Enoch, who pleased God, lived by faith and was no more. Remember Noah? Noah, in faith, saved the entire world. Remember Abraham? It was accounted unto Abraham righteousness because of his faith. Remember Sarah? Dead womb. Octogenarian, having a baby. Remember Isaac? Remember Jacob? Remember Joseph? How about Moses? Moses had it all. He was the prince of Egypt. He was, he was in line for the throne. He had everything this world could offer. And he said, no, I want to identify with Christ. And he left it all to wander in a desert for 40 years. And if God never spoke to him, if God never came to him in a burning bush, he counted the value of knowing Christ as greater than all the riches of Egypt. For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lion, quenched the power with, of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, were mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, some were tortured. Refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these... 
all of these, though commended through their faith and did not receive what was promised since God provided something better for us. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. That's the Jesus I want to know. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings and become like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Listen, do you know what it means to know Jesus? Do you know how to know Jesus? Let me tell you how you know Jesus. You know him through the power of his resurrection. What does that mean? It means he's not dead. He's not in the past. He's not in a book. He's not gone. He's alive. He came back from the dead. And he proved it. By raising up, by seated next to the Father and sending the Holy Spirit. And you too can have the Holy Spirit alive inside of you. Making you alive. Letting you actually know him in intimacy, in friendship. And as your Lord. That's how you know Jesus. In the power of his resurrection. Not as one dead in the past and gone. But one alive here today, present with us. That's how you know Jesus. And may share, that we may share in his sufferings. Jesus went to the cross. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Why did he have to go to the cross? Because Jesus knew that through the cross was resurrection. Through the cross was a life and a light and a power that would change the world. Jesus knew that when he loved, when others hated, when he gave, when others took, when he cried out to God, when others insulted him and ran away from him, when he laid his life down and saw others as better than him, and he gave his life For them before himself. When he had in himself this mind, though being in the very form God, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but left that and being found in the form of a servant, being taken on the appearance of man, he humbled himself, being found in human form, and became obedient, following the Father, even to the point of death, death on the crucifixion. But he knew something about that. He knew that by doing that, he would be given the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess on earth, in heaven, and and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, I'm in this prison right now, Calvary. 
You're going through persecution. You're going through troubles right now, Calvary. Understand something. There is no difficulty we can go through in this world that is, not, that, uh, that is worse than the cross. But when we embrace the cross, guess what happens? We demonstrate the resurrection. When we live the cross for others, when we lay our lives, when we participate in the suffering of Jesus, when we care for our neighbor, when we go where God has called us, when we are obedient to him, when we say, how do I help my neighbor? How do I love my neighbor? How do I lift my neighbor up? How do I, how do I be kind to my neighbor? How do I look at others as better than me? When we do that, we demonstrate Jesus. We demonstrate the cross. We're actually living him. And, but, you know, but some of us, when that happens, are going to be crucified. Some are going to get put in jail. Some are going to go through hard times. It's going to be emotionally difficult. It's going to wear on you. It's going to tear you down. You may be despairing of life itself. You may be wondering, where's the end? I'll tell you where the end is. We get to come back from the dead. We get to come back from the dead just like Jesus did. You think this jail is bothering me? Let them kill me. Do your best. I'm coming back. This doesn't stop anything. That's how you rejoice. That's how you rejoice. That's the mindset that gets you through. That's the mindset that says, take your best shot and let me love you in its place. Calvary. So therefore, what do I do? I've not already attained this. I'm not perfect. I press on to make it my own. Because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Look, I haven't got this down perfectly. I have my bad days. There are days when I'm near despair. There are days I'm wondering what's going on. Where is God? There are days I'm wondering, is he hearing me? Is, are my prayers being answered? But I don't quit. I don't stop. I press on. I keep going. I do what the rangers do, right? Embrace the suck. When it gets bad, I press on. Why? Because I want Jesus to be my own. Why? Because he's already made me his own. I don't do this to get to Jesus. I'm not trying to earn Jesus. I can't earn Jesus. I do it because Jesus has earned me. He's earned me. I'm not trying to make Jesus love me more. He can't love me anymore. My goodness, he died for me. How can he love me any more than that? I do this. That I can demonstrate him who already owns me. I do it from him, not to him. I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do 
Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Look, think of this like a race. Think of this like a runner. I want you to picture a runner for a minute. And when you're out there in the race, what's the one thing you can't do? You can't look back. The moment you look back, the runner behind you passes you. You have to look forward. You have to be straining. When you're getting close to that line, you're not just going like this. You're straining to push to get to that line. That's how we do this. We lean into the persecution. We lean into being in prison. We lean into the times of down and depression and despair and the difficulties and the hardship. We press into those things because the more I press into them, the more I press into the cross. The more I press into the cross, the more I press into Jesus. The more I press into Jesus, the more he comes out in and through me. Listen, you remember that race, those two racers, right? Y'all remember Roger Bannister and John Landy back in 1954. Everybody remembers them. First two racers to ever break the four-minute mile. I mean, they were in the Empire race. This was in, up in, Ban- in, in British Vancouver. And they're coming down. They're, they're at the end of running a mile, the, one of the hardest races to run. And John Landy's ahead. He's beating, and he's getting near the finish line. And in the last minute, he looks back over his shoulder, and he doesn't see Bannister because Bannister passes him on this side and wins the race. Look, every one of us here drives a car, right? We all drive a car, right? In front of anyone we're driving a car, we have two big pieces of glass in front of us, right? We got this huge rectangular one, and we have a little tiny one like this, right? Well, what's this big, huge one in front of us? That's the windshield. We need to be looking through that, paying attention. We have this little tiny one. It's the rear view mirror, right? Oh, my goodness. What would be happening to us if all we did was look in the rear view mirror? Look at all our failures. Look at everything behind us. Look at everything that that we failed to do and seeing everything behind us. No, forget what lies behind. Press forward. Do we need to repent? Repent. Do we need forgiveness? Forgive. But that's going forward, not backward. There's a prize. Jesus has called us. There's a prize in God. Let, us, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Just listen. The way you make this happen is it's a mindset. You got to get this transformed. You got to get this transformed. He's made you new. You're a new creation. Old things have become new. You've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. You're born again. If you've come to him and he's made you new and you know him, all that's happened. But this hasn't changed. He says, listen, when you make this a living sacrifice, when you make this a living sacrifice, then what follows is changing this, transforming this. How do you do that? With the mindset. The mindset says, I'm not going to conform to the world around me. I'm not going to live to the way that they live. I'm going to be transformed because I'm going to renew this. I'm going to work on this. This is what's going to get push me through. I'm going to study his word, call out to his spirit. And those who are mature, if anything, think otherwise, God will reveal it to you. And in this, I will have this relationship with Christ. 
Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Listen, if you've begun in this, you, you, you already know what I'm talking about. When was that moment that the Holy Spirit came into your life? Do you know that moment? When was that moment when God became real in your life? When was that moment you realized Jesus died for you? When was that moment, some, that process, in which all of a sudden Jesus became real? You knew him. It wasn't because somebody said something. It wasn't because somebody did something. It was because he did something inside of you. So hold on to that. Start from there. Don't let anybody take that moment away from you. The birds of the air will try to take that away from you. Satan and his, and, and his uh, 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 demons will try to take that away from you. The cares of the world will try to take that away from you. A lazy spirit will try to take that away from you. Become good soil. Good soil. Not like thorny soil or rocky soil or hard soil. Hold on to what you have. Brothers, join me in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Look, there are, we're not alone in this. There's a great cloud of witnesses who have been going before us for millennia. There are lots of examples that we can follow. You're not alone. You're not alone no matter how hard it seems, no matter how isolated you feel, no matter how lonely you feel. You're not alone. Do what it takes to get the stories, to get with other people who are doing it, who are making it. Don't separate yourself from them. Hook yourself to them. Read the stories. Hey, you remember the story about C.T. Studd? Who remembers him? Oh, that was an amazing story. Here's this guy. He was a cricketer. He was a famous cricketer. He made it to the top of the sports world. And then uh, uh, his, his father knew the Lord, and his father kept trying to tell him the gospel over and over and over again, and he kept trying to do everything he could to not hear it. Finally, one day, Jesus got a hold of him. Because his father didn't give up trying to evangelize his son. Even as an adult. And so he gets a hold of it, and not only him, but seven of his teammates, seven of his teammates leave everything. They leave what they had gained in this world, the highest of the sports level. They left it all to go be missionaries in China. They gave everything. They changed their lifestyle. They changed everything. And then when his father passed away, his father was very wealthy. He, he literally inherited all the wealth from his, from his father. Oh, my goodness. He could have done anything. He could have retired. He could have been anywhere. And he said, I give up all for Christ and gave all of that money away to bless multiple missions works. How many of us think that was a loss for him? Do you know Jesus? How many saw that as a sacrifice? He didn't. Imitate people who have done this, who have walked before you. Read these stories. Do what it takes to follow them. For many of whom I have often told you, now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with their minds set on earthly things. Listen, do you know how many Christians have started off walking with Christ and have allowed the world to grab their heart? They are enemies of the cross. 
What does it mean to be an enemy of the cross? They refuse to embrace the cross in order to obtain resurrection. Listen, there's no Christianity without the cross. It's like saying, I want Jesus without Jesus. There's no Christianity without the cross. The secret in rejoicing isn't getting rid of the cross. The secret in rejoicing is getting closer to Jesus. When you get closer to Jesus, you actually want to embrace the cross. Not that you like the cross. I don't like the cross. But you embrace it because you know through the cross, resurrection comes. You can't have resurrection without a cross. And there are many who have stopped short of living this out because they have become enemies of the cross. Their God is their belly. They're living for the satisfaction of their flesh. They're living for all that they can gain in the world. They have put the rubbish on the balance sheet over Jesus. And they have a mindset. Remember I told you it's about the mind? Their mindset is about what can I get out of the world? I already have Jesus. I took care of that area of my life. Now I want to see what I can get in the world. But our citizenship is in heaven. From whom we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Listen, the hardest thing in the world to do, Calvary, the hardest thing in the world to do is to learn this one lesson. We have to be in the world, but not of the world. We have to understand our citizenship is with him in heaven. We are seated in the heavenlies with him. Right now, even as we're seated here on earth, we are seated with him in the heavenlies. There is a reward and inheritance that is unfading, imperishable, that can't go away, that's being kept and being guarded for us right now. And we get to come back from the dead. We get to come back from the dead. That's where our hope is. That's how we rejoice. That's how we rejoice. Therefore, my brothers, Calvary, whom I love, I long for, my joy, my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. Stand firm thus in the Lord. In the Lord, my beloved. Paul says to us, I love you. I love you. You can rejoice. One of the ways you rejoice is by not giving up. Not quitting. Know Jesus. There's nothing of more value. Repeating what C.T. Studd said. I only have one life to live, which will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I only have one life to live. You and I have one life to live, and it's going to be gone far faster than we can imagine. The only thing that will matter is what we did for Christ. Amen. Amen.